And let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and our minds this morning be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Joseph was the 11th son of Jacob. In his day, that didn't mean a lot. Everything in his world told him to just try to fit in as son number 11. And if Joseph had done this, his life would have been a lot easier. He would have eventually married, had some children, worked on the family farm, and settled into his unremarkable life as one of the boys. That would have been a reasonable plan for life. But nothing will mess up a reasonable plan quite like having a dream. And Joseph had a dream to be great. You also have a dream in life. The dream is why you left home, went to college, and got a job. And when that didn't work out so well, the dream sent you off looking for a different job. The dream is why you've constructed your life the way that you have. Every important decision has been made based on how close it gets you to the dream. And even if you do not know what your dream is, it still runs your life because... Then the dream is to find the dream. And you can spend most of life chasing it because dreams are hard to catch. And it all began when we were children, listening to our parents' dreams for us. If our parents loved us, they usually inspired us to dream big. And no one had bigger dreams for a kid than Joseph's father, Jacob, had for him. Joseph was Jacob's favorite child. Maybe it was because he was the oldest son of his favorite wife, Rachel. Or maybe it was because Jacob recognized there was something special in Joseph. Then again, maybe it was because by the time Joseph was born, old Jacob was no longer thinking about achieving his own dreams and had begun to live through his son. But whatever the reason, Jacob loved Joseph more than his other children. And he gave Joseph a special coat. The Greek translation of the Old Testament describes it as a coat of many colors. The Hebrew text describes it as a coat with long sleeves. Clearly, it wasn't a work coat. As Pastor Allen told me last night, he likes to think of it as a tuxedo with tails. It was designed to mark Joseph as being daddy's favorite. And Joseph loved to wear this coat. And his brothers despised it because they despised Joseph for being the favorite son. And we're also told that Joseph would return from the work fields and bring back to his father a bad report on his brothers. So he's also a little snitch. (laughs) But the straw that broke the brothers' backs was when they had to listen to Joseph's dreams. In one of those dreams... In the text that was cut out of our Genesis selection this morning, Joseph and his brothers were binding sheaves in the field. And suddenly Joseph's sheaf stood up and all of his brothers' sheaves bowed to it. And in another dream, it was the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars that were all bowing down to him. And that was a bit much even for old Jacob. In Joseph's day, when you were the 11th out of 12 sons, you're not supposed to interrupt your brother's chores with your silly dreams. And you're not supposed to go running back to daddy to tattle on the older brothers. 
You're certainly not supposed to parade around in fancy coats. You're just supposed to stay quiet and wear hand-me-downs. Many of you have older siblings. You know how this is supposed to work. And it's striking that Joseph doesn't know this. And why is that? Perhaps it's because he listened too carefully to his father. He thought he was special since he was preferred by dad. When I was little, my dad would sometimes take me aside and say, don't tell your brothers I said this, but I think you're something special. And of course, I loved to hear that. And of course, later on, I learned that he'd told each of my brothers exactly the same thing. <laughs> and maybe it's okay to hear these things when you're a child. But maturity means learning that you actually are not particularly special. You're loved and cherished, which is better than being special, but you're not greater than anyone else. Maturity means giving up childish dreams like being great and giving your life over to a dream greater than you, and great dreams always include your brothers and sisters in the family of humanity. Now, we all know people who did not get this lesson of maturity. People who think they're still preferred and who act like everyone else, even the sun, the moon, and the stars, ought to bow down to them. And we can't wait for the day that their grandiosity meets a little reality therapy, which is exactly what happens to Joseph. One day when Jacob sent Joseph to check on the brothers who were in the field, something in them snapped. And they thought about killing the brat, but instead they exiled him as a slave into Egypt. And then they took his despised coat, tore it to shreds, spread animal blood over it, took it to Joseph, to Jacob, and said, Joseph is dead. Now we all grow up with both Joseph and his brothers wrapped inside of us. Joseph is the part of us that our parents love the most, but there are other parts of us that our parents don't prefer. Parents usually only affirm the Joseph part of their kids because that's the responsible part of the child, the part that has so much potential, or the part that reminds them of themselves, it's the Joseph piece. Parents talk about the Joseph part of their, to their friends. They put Joseph's trophies on the mantle. They hang his art on the refrigerator. They try to dress him up in the finest coat and make him look nice, but when as a child you received all these accolades for the Joseph part of you, it set up an internal tension in your soul. That's because... You knew there was more to you than Joseph. You were also Joseph's brothers, the part your parents tried to ignore. And in time, you could no longer live with this tension because the non-Joseph part demands attention. Remember, the brothers hate Joseph because the parents prefer him. And since there are more brothers than Joseph living us in us, it isn't long before the brothers overpower Joseph and send him into exile, and you don't see him for a while, and... This is what we call adolescence. When teenagers go through phases of looking like strangers to their parents, they're essentially trying to work out the internal tension created by the preference for Joseph. And so the brothers set the agenda for a while. This doesn't mean a good kid has gone bad. It just means that Joseph is in exile, and it can be a while before you see him again. And when you do see him, he will be different. As a teen matures, they learn how to integrate life and recover the part of Joseph that was realistic. But the brothers have to be dealt with first. 
And this is why we speak so much about the grace of God to our teenagers and confirmands here at church. Because grace claims that God doesn't just love the preferred part of us. God loves all of us and wants to redeem what we want to ignore. And this is a critical developmental insight that shapes our understanding of how to inherit better dreams. The dreams of God always include those parts of our society that we would prefer to ignore. But until you discover this in your own life, it makes little sense. Next week, we'll spend more time looking at Joseph's adventures in Egypt, but today it's enough to say that during these years, things went from bad to worse for Joseph until he wound up forgotten in the corner of an Egyptian jail. But those weren't wasted years for him. Actually, something incredible was happening to Joseph during this dark, dark time in his life. He was learning to listen to a different father, a different parent. It's heavenly one. We're told that the Lord was with Joseph in jail, teaching him how to be a great servant. He learned to serve Potiphar, who put him in jail after he got in trouble with another coat, and then he served the chief jailer. And he served other inmates and learned how to pay attention to their dreams. Paying attention to someone else's dreams is also a mark of maturity. And eventually he had the opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's dream, which saved Egypt from a terrible famine. And because of this, he rose from jail to a position of great power in Pharaoh's court. Joseph then became the second most powerful man in the known world, and he did not find himself in this position of leadership because he was trying to be great or because he had a strategic plan to get there. And certainly not because he walked around in fancy coats. He received this opportunity to service of service because, as Pharaoh said, can we find anyone else like this? One in whom is the Spirit of God? You're never going to be of great use to God until you get the illusions of greatness knocked out of you so that there's some room for the Spirit of God to dwell. It's significant that when Jesus teaches his disciples what it means to be great, he takes off his coat. And then he girds himself with a towel to wash their feet. You may want to figure out what it means to take off the cloaks of greatness and take on humility. Because God has a way of getting what God wants. And if it takes time in a dark, dark place to make you tender, God will send you there. Or you can just grow up, mature, and choose to embrace humility. And as this story ends, the famine that developed was severe back in Joseph's homeland. And so his brothers came to Egypt to look for food. And who's responsible for the allocation of grain? But Joseph. And it's significant that his brothers didn't recognize Joseph when they saw him. And that's because he wasn't the same man. Joseph had discovered a new dream, a great dream, that included serving his brothers. So how will your story end? It all depends on your dream. And there's still time to discover a great one.
Amen.